0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Yes, yes, y'all. Before we get into the show, I want to remind you that my book, Small Doses, Potent Truths for Everyday Use, is available for pre-order right now. You can go to book. Check out a little blurb on what it's all about. And if you don't know, the book is actually the literary component to what we do right here on this show. Now, don't get it twisted. It's not going to be complete like transcriptions of the show. It's not that. But it's essays. It's stories. It's blurbs. It's doodles. It's poems. It's like basically just like diving into the mind of Amanda and then looking at it on paper and then being able to thumb through it as you please. And then go, hey, I like that quote. I'm going to put that on my Instagram or no, I don't like that quote. And I'm going to choose not to create an entire trolling story about how I don't like this quote because Amanda really just tried to do this book and come from a good place. So, please make it your business to go out there smalldosesbook.com and get your pre-order of my book now so that I can maybe write another book and become a New York Times bestseller. ba -dum dum Self help from the hip, small don't say, talking that shit, small don't say, and keeping it real, small don't say, with me and Men's seals. So funky. <laughs> All right. Feeling very cancery today ladies and gentlemen, lots of uh, emotions and uh, feelings. I'm not sure. Is Mercury retrograde? You know how you like to just blame it on Mercury retrograde whenever shit feels crazy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anywho, another episode of Small Doses. Today we're going to be talking about cancel culture, which of course, like if you are a part of the socials, Uh, the internets in even the most basic of ways, and you are very familiar with cancel culture. Cancel culture is this idea that, well, it's this, it's an idea. It's a concept, essentially, that when someone does something that is problematic, that they are persona non grata. They are canceled. They are basically ejected off the space station into the universe, never to be seen again, Frozen uh, to travel the galaxy and the cosmos, uh, you know, as individuals of that have become a memory. And this is really like, I know this sounded really dramatic, but that's essentially like what it feels like. It's like angry mob with torches trying to get Shrek scenario that takes place. And I feel like it's gotten really out of hand. And I've mentioned this on The Reel before, the idea of uh, retribution culture. But today we're going to talk really about how we get from cancel culture to retribution culture. I will be the first to admit that I have been a part of the cancel culture mass. Like, I was definitely on board with that fuckery for a while because you really just get caught up in the oh, oh hell no, nah, of it all. But there's a better way. And, um, ironically, it even ends up somehow kind of applying to like your life. Like, I feel like even in my personal life, romantic life, I've been trying to figure out like how not to practice cancel culture. Uh, so much so that I just cried in front of Rebecca and Brendan. But <laughs> Let's get the show going. Jam dropping. Jam dropping. Jam dropping. We're dropping on these hoes. Today's gem droppery is cancel Cancel versus checking. Checking. So let's talk about this. You know, the cancel culture of things is that when someone does something that seems ostensibly problematic, the idea is that people then say, well, then that person is done. We need to just get that person out of here. Cut (laughs) it. The difference between that and checking someone is simply just acknowledging, hey, that behavior is problematic. And then providing maybe an a solution or providing an alternative choice of action, et cetera. Now that's something that I really like to do. Like because I'm somebody who feels like you shouldn't negate something if you're not gonna introduce another option. Um, which I feel like some people like don't like. Some people feel like that's you trying to say that this is what you should have done. When I think what it really is is just me trying to be responsible about like if I'm gonna insert my voice into a scenario who am I to simply just say like, you shouldn't have done that without offering like another possibility. And when we do cancel culture, we don't even offer the space for that. I think a lot of times with cancel culture, it really is just being like, no, no. It's very hysterical. Um, It's very impulsive. And to me, what it is, is it works against itself. Because when you do the canceling, what you're doing is you're picking off um, people from the army, right? Like if you're if you're if you're trying to get a movement going, you can't just keep getting rid of people that do things that you don't like. Now, the reason I say that is because sometimes there are different reasons why people are doing different things, and there's a spectrum of behaviors. You know, not everything to me is so problematic that it cannot be termed into something positive. Not everything to me is something that is so problematic that it cannot be rehabilitated. Uh, not everything to me is so problematic that it can't be explained. But when we have cancel culture, we don't allow for any of those things. When we check somebody, we give space. Now, Christina Rice, who was on the show, uh, she was on the show for side effects of self-care. And she also has a black women's wellness um, retreat organization called Om Noir. Noir. And side note, Om Noir will be hosting a black women's wellness retreat in Grenada uh, in October. So you can go to Om Noir, that's O-M-N-O-I-R-E dot com and check out more information about that. And they're really, they're doing a, um, a co-ed retreat. But the problem is that they can't get, they can't get men. Because a lot of men are seeing women do the work uh, but not joining in with us. And so if you have men out there that are listening who are single and who are uh, dedicated to wanting to work on their their self-care and their healing, please go to omnoire.com and come on out to Grenada and get to work on that. And if you can't make the trip, at least uh, you're making a good step in the right direction by listening to this show. <laughs> But Christina talks about how you got to give space for people. And um sometimes that means literally giving space like I've checked you and now I'm going to go over here so that you can like apply what the check has been. Sometimes it's giving space in the sense of like letting there be an arena of safety to let that person explain themselves, to let that person express themselves, um, and to let that person, like, basically heal. And it can be very difficult to do because sometimes when, when people do something that feels like it's worth canceling, it's hurtful to you. And that hurt makes you want to just say, cut, you know, and excise yourself from the situation. But sometimes you can't you gotta like still be present to get a a greater understanding of the situation and that's when we have to talk about you know not calling people out but calling people in and there's a certain responsibility that that you have to have to do that. I like I said at the top of the show. I will be the first to say that like I was definitely somebody who was a proponent of cancel culture. And like when these internet started really popping and my Instagram started really moving, you know, for what it's worth, like me calling out Caitlyn Jenner is what really like exploded um, and propelled my Instagram following to a whole other level. And people almost like came to expect that I was gonna be that person. I'm the person who points the finger at people. I point the finger, I point the finger, I point the finger, and it's like, don't get me wrong, Like, I think it is very necessary to actually call out certain shit, but what I realized was that it turned into more so an exercise of extermination versus an exercise in elevation, and I now have had to like say, okay, what can I do to get the better outcome? And I'm trying to, I'm trying to apply this in every area of my life because I'm somebody who definitely has a lava running at a very, (laughs) Brendan just made a face because he's definitely making a lava sound effect happen right Right. now. I have lava that runs very close to the surface of my being. Um, You know, and it's, I say lava because that's what it feels like. And it's not necessarily rage as much as if it's just intensity, it's energy at an intense temperature. And it's so close to the surface that it can, like, you know, come out in a myriad of ways. Uh, Side so note, my vocabulary this episode is popping. It comes out in a myriad of ways. And I've had to check myself about just the idea of, like, okay. When things uh, puncture your surface and allow for this lava to come out, like, how are you handling that? Like, how can you better pause to control how it emerges? And that's really just basic anger management, taking the pause to reply and respond in a way that gets you the results that you want. And it is Incredibly difficult uh, because it takes practice. You know, it really takes practice. And especially, you know, if you don't necessarily have the the capability to do it because of whatever reasons, whether it's stress, whether it's diet, whether it's lack of sleep, uh, you know, it can be it can feel like something that's impossible. Literally, it can feel like something that's impossible. And you start to realize like how. When you, when you do get to a place where you can make that pause happen, where you can make that change, you start to realize just how much it is helpful in you getting better outcomes. And so much of what the internets don't do is pause. And cancel culture is very, very closely rooted in simply not pausing to give people space, not pausing to maybe... Go take space on the side with somebody and simply not pausing to say, well, what's the true meaning behind this behavior? And so today, when we get into our DMTs and we talk about different things, I I really am going to focus on the fact that I really believe that like, checking somebody and saying, hey, this This behavior is is not okay," okay, does not mean that you have to eradicate them. And the space that you give somebody when you check them is now you know. Let me see you apply it. And if they don't apply it, well then fuck them to hell. <laughs> <laughs> we're serving it. First question. Is it really effective? Why only a selective few get canceled? Why is Tyga a whole pedophile and skipped being canceled? He got a bomb-ass washing set and unscarred. You know what? Agreed. Agreed. Let me talk about, first of all, Tyga and I almost got in a whole-ass fight at the BET Awards. Let's discuss that. I went to sit down in my seat at the BET Awards and when I was walking to my seat, being escorted to my seat, um, I was in an aisle seat, okay? So people want to be in the aisle seats because they know the camera is going to be there. So I was supposed to be sitting in an aisle seat and they were like, Amanda, we just want to let you know, Miss Seals, that Tyga is sitting in your seat and he refuses to move. In that moment, I was so happy that my man was not with me because my man at the time, would there wouldn't have been a conversation. It would literally have been like a walk-up a look, if there was not immediate response to that look, the TMZ story would have been, Amanda Seals gets invited divided at, at the, the BT Award. Award. Like, there would have been a scuffle. Like, that absolutely would have taken place. So, we go and, like me and my publicist, like we walk towards the seats. And sure enough, Tyga, look, turtle-ass Tyga, because he looks like a goddamn turtle. Yes, he looks amphibious. And he is sitting there and he won't, like he's not getting up. So I was like, remember I told you I'm practicing the pause? So I said, let me pause. Let me approach this first, you know, with some joviality. And I said, "Tiger, why are sitting in my seat? Now remember, I'm in like a, I'm in a saffron dress. My hair is pulled up, swooped back. My face is giving you light. And I'm just, I'm a, I mean, I'm a vision. I'm a vision. And I gave him auntie vibes. He replied back and said, because um, they sitting in my seat. Now, when I look at who's sitting in his seat, it's seat fillers. Now, the way the seat fillers work is that they're put out at the award shows to make sure that there's no empty seats when people get up to go to the bathroom or when people get up to go present awards or to receive awards, et cetera. So they simply sit in seats unless someone tells them that's their seat. So why Tyga wouldn't tell them That's my seat is because he wanted to sit in my seat. So I said, well, you need to ask them to move. And he was like, I'll get up when they get up. Y'all now I told you I paused, right? I had paused already. I'm done. I'm out of pauses at this time. And I leaned down and said, if you don't get the fuck up, there's going to be bigger problems than what seat you're sitting in. His security guard simply looked at me like, yep. And Tiger Rose, he elevated and he was like, well, I was, you know, I I was going to move when they moved. And I said, no, nigga, you move because I'm here now. You shouldn't even be sitting if I'm standing. His boy was sitting next to him and his boy just was like, "Mm mm-hmm. And so, like, now your security guard and your boy, neither of them are even arguing the point because they know what's up. So they scoot over, and you know he had to sit next to me and my stylist for the duration of the show. Then my pashmina fell on the floor at one point, and Tyga picked it up, and his boy was like, see, see, he's not all bad. And I was like, you don't get points for doing shit you're supposed to do. And he was like, true to hat, true to hat. So I have never been a Tyga fan, <laughs> and that story only further pushed me into non-Tyga fandom. And you are right. Why isn't Tyga canceled? You are right. He is a whole pedophile. You are right. He was fucking with Kylie Jenner when she was under age. He should not get to just be out here living his best life with his twisty braids and thinking that shit is sweet. So I 100% agree with you. I think in that situation... Because the Kardashians didn't feel it an infraction, it made it like, well, why would we be upset? If the girl mama ain't upset, why are we upset? Right? And I think that's how that ends up happening. But I do agree with you that cancel culture is something that it's kind of like it skips over certain people and i think the real thing is that it gets applied to the people that we kind of like cherish the most right so like i think kanye is somebody who people love his music so much and they care about him so much we know so much of his story that when he decided to start wearing a make america great hat it was like oh well you know i can't um I just can't imagine how this person could like betray me like this. And I think that's what it ends up feeling like. I think cancel culture for a lot of folks is a feeling of betrayal more than anything. And what do we do when we're in relationships and we or someone betrays us? That's exactly what we do. We're like, get, get the, the fuck out of here. here. We block you on all forms of internets and phones. We make sure that we don't communicate with you. You know, we burn your pictures. We, <laughs> I, I don't do that. But some people take it to those extremes, you know. it's It's really that. So I think that's the reason why cancel culture ends up skipping over so many folks. Now, the question of whether it's effective or not. You know, the the goal, the 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 real question is what's the goal of cancel culture, right? Because is the goal to say that if we, if we keep doing this to people that it's going to enforce this idea that will make people be more thoughtful about how they move so that they don't get canceled either? I think that at the highest possible consciousness that that is maybe what people are thinking. But for what it really ends up being is that I don't think there really is any consciousness beyond the action of canceling. I don't really think that there's a true thought process that people put in place to say like, well, we do cancel culture because this is what we want to get out of cancel culture. I think that when it comes to cooning and canceling coons, there's absolutely the concept of like, you got to eradicate the uh, the weakest links. You got to eradicate the cancer. You know, you got to remove those who are obfuscating the mission. You know, and and making a, a very hard line dashed because of their inability to commit to the cause. So I get that. Like, trust me, I am, I'm not even Jon Snow. I'm Commander Mormont of the Coons Watch. Because Jon Snow had a little bit more forgiveness to him. But Mormont wasn't playing games, okay? And I'm out here on the Coons Watch like, whoa, 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 whoa! Paris Denard, get Get out of here. here. Omarosa, get Get out of here. here. And when Kanye, when Kanye crossed over the wall and joined in with the fucking coonlings, we had to say, get out of here. But to me, even in that, even in that, there's a way back. I feel like there's always a way back. And... I've been really, really trying to explore in my own life, in just different spaces of my life, like what is the way back? Because it feels like people just feel so disposable now. And I think part of it is even just our interactions on the internet, like how I can just block somebody because I didn't like what they said. Even if what they said was like constructive criticism, I'm like, I didn't want to hear that today. you blocked. And like even on like these apps, you know, it's just like, no, 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 no. no. Like you're just able. And even if you're talking to somebody on the app and I don't know, like you're dating somebody and they don't work out, you're just like, it's fine. There's somebody else, you know, unless you're a black person trying to date a black person on Raya, in which case there are not other options. Um, But I think that there's this throwaway culture that was what cancel culture is. There's just this idea that there's like a continuous flow of replacements and there is not, there isn't. I know it seems like there's like this never ending amount of people on the earth, but the reality is, is that like everybody's an individual and there, there, there aren't necessarily replacements for everybody and everybody is not expendable and everybody is not um, just able to kind of like fill the shoes of the next. You can't tell me there's a replacement for Toni Morrison. You know, you can't. We lost one of the greatest voices of our time. There's no replacement for that. And I don't know at what point in her evolution or her existence that she came to realize that that was her purpose or her role. I know for me, I have gone through a number of evolutions uh, and experiences that have elevated me into certain spaces where had I been canceled or had I been discarded, I may not have been able to get over the hump to that next space. So just something to think about because... I think that even when we cancel Coons, uh, the, the, I know that with that one, the thought process is like, if you're going to be over here, you can't be against us. And we can't have people over here that are against us. And I think that's the underlying thought process of all of this. But I think that we have to really be asking ourselves, like, how effective is it? to say that anything that makes you feel uncomfortable or anything that seems like it's transphobic or homophobic or racist or et cetera, et cetera, is against. I think that sometimes there is room for conversation. Next question. Cancel culture is exhausting as fuck and pretty much everyone has the capacity to be canceled if we're being real. How do we shift from a cancel culture to a culture of restorative justice and redemption? Well, you know what? That begs the question that I was talking about in the previous question, which is, well, what does it look like when someone is practicing restorative justice or like seeking redemption? Right. And I think a lot of that is action. You know, it's like that's what the giving space part is, too. You got to give people space to present action that speaks to a desire for redemption or even a desire for healing or a desire for change or, or understanding, you know? And, um, sometimes people don't necessarily know what those restorative justice techniques are. I think there's a lot of like white people, for instance, who will ask black people like, well, what, what can I do to like help racism? And that's their attempt at saying like, what is the restorative justice practices that I can like get into to help end racism? And, you know, I think on a on a basic note, like, black people don't necessarily, for the most part, I feel, don't necessarily like being asked that question. It's because it's like, well, first of all, like, have you asked yourself, do you think you're better because you're white? Like, have you started there? Because I think a lot of white people, if they really have that conversation with themselves, would be like, ooh, shit, I think maybe I... Maybe- I think I may have actually been affected by that brainwashing a little bit because there's an othering that happens just by nature of being here in a place where everybody else is other. So like you have to like even get to the root, the root the of that to even be able to know uh, how to start on restorative justice practices. But I think action is the key element of redemption culture. And I think it's action on the part of the person or organization and it's action on the part of the people calling for the cancellation, you know, and being able to say like, well, these are the things that we feel that you should partake in to really like start the walk back towards us. We play a game on smart, funny and black. That is about this, where I have the black spurts basically, like I put up a picture of somebody who has been canceled and I have the black spurts address them and address what they did to get canceled. And then they have to tell them what they can do to come back over to the side uh, of the good folks. And it really is about like pursuing redemption culture and this idea that we can't just keep discarding everybody for fucking up, you know? And then some people have like bad days, some people are going through a bad time, some people have an entirely bad life. Like Mike Tyson, for all intents and purposes, was canceled. In another time, Mike Tyson would have been canceled. Like, Floyd Mayweather, for me, is canceled. Like, he's done so much fuckery at this point that he's canceled. And I know people would say to me, like, well, who are you to cancel Floyd Mayweather? Like, he's one of the greatest boxers or whatever, whatever. And I'm like, yes, but he also posted, like, his ex-girlfriend's abortion, like, files on the internet. You know, like, he's also, like, hurt several women, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, well, why is he not canceled? But Why is he canceled, but Mike Tyson isn't? And it's because Mike Tyson has actively pursued wellness, continuously. He continues to do so. Now, he may never be a well, completely well person, per se, because of the traumas that he has experienced, but you got to at least give credit to somebody who is doing Doing the the work, work, right? And my therapist always says, like, listen, the reality is that people do work in fits and starts, When you're on the outside looking in, it's very easy to be like, whoa, 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 you're not doing the work today. But doing the work is exhausting. Doing the work is tiring. And not everybody has the same capacity uh, for that uh, that of application of work. And so they may need, they they may fall off and come back. They may not be hitting it as diligently, you know, this month as last month. You know, there's a number of variables that come into place. But when it boils down to it, that's to me the difference. Is that both of them had the same resources in terms of finances, both of them have the same level of you know say maybe not the same level of acclaim, but they're both acclaimed by the boxing community. But one decided like I, I got to get, get on the right, right side of right. right, and the other one was like I'm Thank cool. You. Now I don't necessarily know if Mike Tyson's any smarter than Floyd Mayweather by any. I, I that's not even shade. I just don't know. But what I do know is that I give, I just really feel like there was a time when we talked about Mike Tyson and he was a monster. And he has had to go through an incredible transformation to get past that. And, you know, but he's also had the resources to do so. And a lot of people don't have those resources. When we talk about cancel culture, though, a lot of times we're talking about celebrities and people who do have resources for, you know, getting education and getting change happening within their own lives. And I know my frustration is when I see people who do have access to all of these things and are simply just not taking uh, the initiative to do so. And that's when I feel like, well... Redemption culture has to come from both parties. It can't just come from us being like, we forgive you. Because at the end of the day, I feel like you cannot forgive somebody who isn't asking for forgiveness. That's why I get really annoyed when black people are so quick to forgive motherfuckers that are murdering us. its ungoddamn is un-goddamn-real. Like, Dylan Roof and people are like, we forgive you. And I guess you got to do that for your heart or whatever. But I think that's also, like, a lot of the work of what... What uh, What these slave drivers were doing when they had the slave Bible, which basically was a version of the Bible that was distributed amongst slaves that removed stories of freedom and revolution. And yes, Rebecca's looking at me like, what? I'm going to send you the link. Because Charles Blow, our master black spurt from Smart, Funny and Black at the Apollo, he's doing a story on it. And it's really just it's so it speaks so literally like it's not even like figurative. It speaks so literally to this culture of forgiveness that has ended up finding its way into black American culture that says, like, well, you know, we just forgive you because, you know, that's what the Lord want us to do. And it's like, I don't know. My Lord want me to be like, what? Because I don't know how forgiveness per se is satisfies justice. Now, if we can forgive and get justice. I just to me, forgiveness means that I'm saying, like, you know what? I understand why you did that and I am not going to carry hatred in my heart for you. Um because you're the one who has the pain, not me. So I am going to release you from my pain. The other person on the other side though, what they take forgiveness as is Oh, you don't care what I did anymore. <laughs> right? Like, I think that's what a lot of people think forgiveness really means. Like, you don't care what I did anymore. You're good. We're good now. We're good now. And, um, you know, that's not, that's not actually to me what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is like, I just, I'm just removing this hatred from my heart because it's not for me to carry. It's yours to manage. And I... I just release that and hope that you will find your own way. And the redemption culture part is when that person says, I'm going to put an effort to finding my own way back to the good place that we had originally been in. So we've got a lot of folks like upset at Jay Z right now because of his deal with the NFL and them wanting to cancel Jay Z. And I think that the other part of like redemption culture is also looking at like, not just what people are doing in the moment, but what they've done before. And we're so quick to cancel without having any comprehensive, without giving any like comprehensive look to people's behaviors. And that's always so trippy to me. Like, I've had people literally just attack me for for saying a statement on Instagram that have no idea like what I've talked about before or where I come from, etc. Like they have no context. And it's like, how are you making that make sense to you? The vacuousness of cancel culture is, to me, the biggest problem. And it's the biggest obstacle to redemption culture. And I stand behind the fact that, yes, I do believe there's such a thing as redemption culture. I do believe that it really relies on us as a people. And when I say us, I just mean whoever the fuck is calling for the canceling. It requires for us as a people to give space for change last question how do we as consumers and people reckon holding individuals companies organizations accountable while at the same time understanding the nuance that everyone starts from a different baseline in their understanding of various issues that arise in our society today is it a question of intent versus impact when is it that we can agree to have a healthy debate versus being intentional about no longer giving said perpetrator our time attention or coin? Well, I think for real, what it ends up being is a group discussion that trickles down to your individual choice. Um, And I think that the problem is that we are so individualized in our choice right now that we're not we're not having enough times where we can have a shared mind about like our individual choices. So what I'm saying about that is that like. And no matter what, it's going to end up being like your individual choice on if you want to give people money or not, right? A boycott is everybody making the the same individual choice to not give your money to something. But we don't, to me, it doesn't seem like there's enough strong stances taken for why we should boycott. Like, okay, these brands, Gucci, H&M, Prada, Montclair they have each done like some racist shit where people are like, we got to boycott. We got to boycott the brand. And to me, I'm like, okay, with, to what end? What's the outcome that you hope to achieve? Now, some people, they're like, well, the outcome we hope to achieve is awareness that they shouldn't be able to just do whatever they want to do to get black dollars. And I completely understand like that goal. Um, but I think for some people it's literally just like they shouldn't have done that and so now they don't get my money. And that's your own right too. To others like if you're like me, I'm like, well, well they, they was racist, racist before. They going to continue to be racist after. So it's really just about your individual choice on do you like the clothes or not because for what it's worth, all of these motherfuckers is racist. <laughs> all of them. And I guess I think some people are also like pseudo purists who are 1000% like considering themselves extremists because of their like, I don't give my money to anything that's racist. And I'm like, you're really, then move. This literal whole country was built on racism. So if you're gonna be a purist, like really apply the method because this whole shit was based on racism. So unless you are growing your own crops and them seeds better not be from Monsanto you're, you are a part of a racist paradigm. I mean, that's just kind of the, the frustrating fuckery of it all. So you have to have a certain level of like cognitive dissonance that you exercise that says, okay, well, here's the balance that I place on what I give my attention to and what I know that I can't even really topple and what I just basically turn a blind eye to. And I feel like one of the boycotts that I stand firm on is like, Waffle House. Like, when the situation happened with the young woman at Waffle House where she was 1,000% accosted by the police and the Waffle House employees had no issue with it happening, they let it happen, and then they stood on it after. That, to me, was enough for me to say, I don't need to give my money to Waffle House. Now, some people say, well, why is that? And I said, because, one, as a black woman, like, I watched another black woman be accosted at the hands of the employees of this corporation's indignance, and then to watch this corporation stand firm on that lets me know that, Oh, they support this behavior. So if I'm a black woman in their establishment, like they're going, they could perhaps put that behavior on me and support it. So I can't get behind that. Now to me, like I think part of my reasoning for wanting to be so supportive of that boycott is because like it affected an individual human being. It affected that person. It affected their livelihood, affected their wellness in a way that I could see and tangibly feel like A racist turtleneck, I don't feel like necessarily has the same effect on somebody. Now, some people may disagree with that and they're entitled to that, of course, 1000%. But for me, I'm just like, you can choose whether or not you want to wear those clothes. But like that person didn't get to choose whether or not that situation happened to them. And when the corporation had the choice to then at the very least apologize they made a choice to support this behavior that we know could have gotten even worse right because we've seen how police violence with black people continues to get worse and worse and worse and worse so that's where i stand on that but when it boils down to it uh, it's just really that in my opinion we don't we don't necessarily have like these very 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 stronghold um mandates that we are looking to put forth. I think that we saw such um, support behind people like Martin Luther King and, and Malcolm X and and the Panthers because they had very, very clear directives that they would apply. Now, when we talk about like Colin Kaepernick, I think there's a lot of people who felt like they were supporting Colin Kaepernick by shitting on Jay-Z because they're like, well, Jay-Z didn't talk to Colin Kaepernick. He didn't tell him what he was doing. That's shady, et cetera, et cetera. And if you want to get into the like personal dynamics of that, that's your business. But what, what I start looking at is like, okay, well, Colin Kaepernick wants to play in the NFL. So are we fighting for Colin Kaepernick to kneel or are we fighting for Colin Kaepernick to play? Because the kneeling should continue regardless. regardless. Um, but are we fighting for him to play and kneel? Because if we if he goes back in the NFL, he, he can't n- keep kneeling. Like I don't see that happening. So why would we be fighting for him to play for a corporation that's not going to allow him to continue his um protest? I think that that's what confuses me. That's what makes me say, Well, how can you be mad at Jay Z for signing with a corporation that Cap actually wants to play with? <laughs> So that ends up being a bit of a convoluted concept for me. Really, the kneeling should continue... But also, like, getting a seat at that table should also continue. And I think that there's a multi-pronged approach to revolution that we also lose when we do practice cancel culture too loosely. Because we oftentimes are very extreme with what we deem is supposed to be in support of movement and change. And the reality is that we don't even have clear directives on what is movement and change right now. So how can you even do that? And when you look at someone like Kaepernick, like, he never... I don't know, maybe I missed it, but I don't feel like he ever was very, very clear in in expressing what the directives are to the people that are in support of him. I know that he was very clear in saying like, you know, I'm kneeling because we need to bring awareness of police brutality. And I am creating organizations that are going to help people to get aware of their rights and, you know, that are going to bring awareness and heightened consciousness to this issue. But in terms of like, the directive of like, okay, everybody who's with me, this is what you can do. This is what we're going to do. I don't feel like that was enumerated very, very clearly. And that's what we're lacking in general right now. It's clear enumeration of directive. And so the cancel culture that we're practicing is counterproductive in my opinion. I'm not even sure what the question was anymore. But at this point, the reality is, is that until there's a very clear overhead of like what we're doing, It's hard for me to say that we can just so casually be like, fuck that, you're done. Unless what you're doing is so clearly counterproductive to any type of productivity. So to anyone who was listening and is like, yeah, but it's the same thing as Jay-Z. Jay-Z is the same thing as Kanye and Trump. No, because Trump has already been proven as an incredibly problematic. First of all, the NFL is not the fucking president of the United States. So I think we can just, like, get that off the table In initially with just that awareness. But the second part is that I always say this. There's a difference between selling out and buying in. And I talked about this on my Instagram. Like, Jay-Z bought into being able to have a voice at the table with people whose voices have for so long drowned out the people that they're actually even employing. So I'm not saying he's necessarily going to go in there and be a revolutionary, but I think that there is something to be said for having somebody in that space who has demonstrated in the past an awareness and a proclivity for wanting to raise voices that look like him and that have experienced things like him, specifically as a black person. Kanye did not buy into any type of access with Donald Trump that is going to help Black people, because in order for him to gain audience with Donald Trump, he essentially had to demean Black people and say that we don't know what we're doing and that we don't know what we're talking about and that slavery, you know, is is not. Uh, what did he say? The slavery was dead. He said some wild shit about slavery. But for the what I'm, my point though is that he didn't buy into anything with Trump. What he did was become a mascot. So there's a difference. That's where the sellout comes in because you had to sell your integrity in order to align with someone else's and you are no longer your own person in the situation. You are simply just another voice for their movement. I don't feel like Jay-Z at the NFL is now like, I'm not Jay-Z anymore. I'm the NFL. Got Got it? it? People I love So in Alice Walker's The Third Life of Grange Copeland, we follow the story of a man named Grange Copeland, who in the beginning is a husband to his wife and um, falls on hard times. And in falling on those hard times, he becomes a tyrant in his own home. Uh, And now, remember, I haven't read this in, in quite some time, but if memory serves me correct, um... I I believe he ends up in a domestic violence situation where he ends up killing his wife. Maybe not even on purpose, but I think there's an accidental situation that happens. He the, He goes to New York. He was in the South, He goes to New York. He had a daughter. He had a daughter. The daughter stays down there. He goes to New York. And while in New York, he um, experiences a number of hardships and uh, situations and scenarios that shape him forever and that re-mold his person and his perspective on things. He then comes back to the South comes home and with all that he has experienced, uh, seeks to find redemption by doing for his granddaughter what he did not do for his daughter. And his daughter allowed him to do this against what was, I think, her emotional uh, restraint. She still was like, I'm going to allow this to happen. And the healing that took place took place uh, because he put in action a restorative justice measure the best way that he could. Now, this is a character. We also saw something similar to this in Alice Walker's A Color Purple with uh, the character, Mr., who we see for much of the film is a drunk. He's a rapist. He's a pedophile. He's, I mean, he's literally the worst kind of person possible, um and eventually, after Seeley tells him, until you do right by me, everything you do is going to fail, uh, he essentially loses everything, and in the pit of despair that he is in, uh, is faced with having to come to grips with the fact that that's how he got there. He got there by his own pride, by his own ego, by his own... Uh, doing and he then commits to one being kind to Celie in a way that he has never been before and also uh, seeking to help with the children and raising the grandchildren in a way that he had never done before so we've seen this theme happen twice in Alice Walker's books and so today my um, people I like is Related to the individuals who try. Now, the frustrating part about both of these characters is that it took them losing everything in order to be able to see the error of their ways. And the frustrating part about uh, redemptive culture is that it seems like that's what it takes. It takes this like extreme loss to be able to gather yourself to see past what took you there into what's going to get you into the future. And I think the goal with cancel culture or with with redemption culture should be trying to find a way to get people to see that without having to lose everything. Like you shouldn't have to hit rock bottom to not be a fucking prick Um, and to, to not be problematic. And I guess my people I like is related to the individuals who don't, let that get that far (laughs) Um, and the reason that that happens is because they listen and you got to find a way to listen and our egos are so strong and so propped up and particularly men because patriarchy really just creates a beautifully uh, terrible (laughs) platform for ego I mean it's just what it is And I always say this, that it is going to require men to be ethical, courageous, and insightful to get out from under the throes of patriarchy that prevent them from being able to see what really is happening versus what they're told is happening. Those two stories from Alice really were interesting to me because I had never really seen two such clear examples of individuals who were trash people and then found a way to heal not only themselves, but the people around them. And that to me is actually what redemption culture really ends up being about in terms of the contrast to cancel culture is not only healing yourself, but being committed to the fact that you got to heal the people around you. That's what. The 12 Steps program, that's what the apology step in the 12 Steps program of Alcoholics and Narcotics Anonymous is really all about, right? Like you got to go and apologize to everybody because now that you're healing yourself, you got to start mending the wounds that you caused everybody else. And with cancel culture, I think what we try to do is say, we're going to cut you now before you fuck up anybody else. We're going to cut you now before you get out of hand and before you continue to fuck up shit. And we're going to cut you now because, you know, who are you and what are you doing? This is, this is unacceptable. This is unacceptable. Um, and I just don't, I don't think that's healthy. I don't know really what the answer is. But I do know that the cut you now without any clear directive of how to mend those wounds just seems to me as harmful as the people who are being cut. That That one one time. time. (laughs) I've been on the side of cancel culture on both sides. I've been a canceler and I've been a cancelate, right? Like people have attempted to cancel me for all types of shit. You know, I say a statement, like I said a statement recently about how I managed to be able to make my own life without having to suck dick. And that turned into, oh, you have a problem with sex workers. And I was like, I didn't think I was going to have to explain this, but like I was referring to businesses that don't involve sucking dick. And the fact that there are women who and men who are introducing the... Um, exchange of sexual favors in a space where that should not have any merit. Um, and that makes it very difficult for individuals like myself who are not trying to do that uh, to stand on our integrity of sticking to the actual script of doing the work that has been applied. Well, that turned into a bunch of people who don't know what the fuck I was talking about, yelling at me in my Instagrams, DMs, talking about how I'm a shady, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, what am I? I'm horophobic and all type of shit. And I'm just like, if you're in the business of sucking dick, then suck the dicks. But even in that business, there are rules and there is code. And if people are breaking rules and code to get ahead of you, you're gonna have a fucking problem with it. So, like, let's say we're in the sucking dick business. And we all have an understanding that a dick suck is $20. Well, if somebody is over here undercutting and doing the dick sucking for $11, that's That's going to be be a a fucking problem problem. because that person now is making it to where you're going to have to lower your rates to be competitive. And why should you have to lower your rates just because this person doesn't have the same worth on their dick suckery as you do? That's not cool. So I was anyway. Anyway, I was I was canceled last week by the uh, the professional whores of the world for my saying that I didn't suck dick to get ahead. And I will sit here and continue to stand firm in my in my assertion that that was not what I was referring to. And then they were upset because I said that nobody in their right mind is raising a daughter saying I hope she ends up sucking dick. And I continue to support that statement as well because. I can say that at the same time that I can say you have every right to choose whatever you want to do and no one should judge you for that as an adult. But I think it's very important that we acknowledge that there are professions that we feel are safer than others. That's a fact. And we still live in a country where sex work is not regulated. So it is not at its safest. So you can uncancel me for that. I was also canceled at one point for when Kim Kardashian had put out that cover of paper magazine where she's like got the champagne glass and the the whatever. She's basically just copying a black image. And I say, you know, this doesn't make it feminism just because she's got her ass out. And the feminists came for your girl oh my God, God. they were just like anything a woman does that's her choice is feminism and who are you to police her body and blah, 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 blah. And I guess my argument with like that brand of feminism is this idea that I'm supposed to agree with everything a woman does and if I don't, then I'm against feminism. And I'm just like, yeah, I guess I'm against feminism then because there's some shit that people do that I'm just like, this ain't helping nobody because it depends on who's doing it and why they're doing it. And if, if you're basically just doing something to appeal to the male gaze, I don't understand how that necessarily helps feminism. Like, I don't think that that's necessarily, like, what that whole metric is all about. But, again, I got canceled for that. That was, like, a four-day cancel. And that was on Twitter. And, you know, Twitter at this point is just a fucking... Barrage of barbarism if you say one statement that people don't like, or one statement that even has that can even be called a question. That's the thing. It's not even necessarily that it's to be declarative. If the statement even has a hint, a possibility, a possibility of cancelleriness then it's going for the gusto and people are coming up in your DMs with pitchforks and torches uh it's looking like goddamn charlottesville in your in your in your mentions because they want to take, take you, you down. down and where does that get us and and the other part of it is that there's no conversation right like there's no like explanation my frustration is always the 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 it it is incensing to me when i express what i meant to say very clearly and i'm told no that's not what you meant to say that takes me to a place of just because i you know i don't i i don't understand how if someone offers up clarity how you can tell them that they're wrong about their own reason for saying something about their own mission, their own intention. And so that is a number one thing on Instagram. I saw a meme the other day and it said, somebody says, I prefer apples to oranges. And then it says the internet say, why are you disrespecting oranges? And also you didn't mention bananas, mangoes, or kiwi. So maybe you need to do your research. (laughs) I think one of the key elements of even approaching the discussion on cancel culture is acknowledging nuance and the fact that there has to be nuance in the discussion. And I mean, listen, like some people, there's no need for the nuance. Like you cancel Cosby because he's raping chicks left and right. You You cancel R. Kelly because obviously he's also raping chicks and young chicks left and right. So like in that space, I don't feel like there's a necessity to even question why they're canceled but we are applying oftentimes the same level of finality that we apply to those men and and, and people who behave in that way to like people who say something that we don't like or do something that is questionable versus doing something that is abominable uh and i think that's where cancel culture gets out of hand because then it's like well where's the spectrum Dose. Cancel culture to me at this point feels more so about attacking versus elevating. And that is where we have gotten off the path because really the whole goal initially to me felt like we are, we are pointing out problematic behavior, problematic people, so that we can weed them out to elevate the mass. At this point though, It just seems like it's indiscriminatory. And it's not acknowledging the comprehensive work of people. It's not involving research. It's lacking intellectualism. Cancel culture at this point has no compassion. It has no intellect. And therefore, it can have no place in actual change and revolution. And that's all I have to say about that.